Hello everyone, this is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show, and man, oh man, today is a good day. See, today we have with us another now new friend of the show, good friend of mine now, Jennifer Aiken. See, Jennifer serves as the chairman and CEO of the Steamboat Institute, which is based in Colorado and is a nonprofit organization that brings together leaders from many different sectors, whether it be the educational space, whether it be politicians, whether it be industry leaders, and literally they bring these people together to debate interesting and difficult topics. I mean, that's almost unheard of nowadays because most people don't want to engage in those difficult conversations. What you're gonna hear today as Jennifer and I discuss is how do you be a leader who can bring full multiple competing thoughts and perspectives to the table and have a productive conversation so you, your organization, and those individuals around you can all be more successful and more knowledgeable as a result. And in addition to that, and some other cool stuff, we're going to be talking about mentoring, as well as what mindset you need to have to make sure that you are successful in your life's journey, in your career journey. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And before we get going, as always, I wanted to ask you, if you find this show to be helpful in any way, I want to hear from you. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. There are so many different ways to reach out to me and connect. I love to hear what you love about the show so I can keep doing it. <laughs> we can keep having great shows. So, but no further ado, my good friend, Jennifer Aiken. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show, and I have another great guest and friend with me today. How are you doing today, Miss Jennifer? Doing fantastic, Alex. How about yourself? I am well. Again, I, I, I say this all the time, but I'm, I'm being honest. It's because I get to have these conversations with leaders such as yourself that every time I come to this conversation, I can't be doing well. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm doing especially well because I'm in the Rocky Mountains where I live and we actually have snow. So we are very happy to see snow falling from the sky. That's not fair because I've been waiting for snow for a long time because we're up here in the D.C. area. And this is being recorded in December. This is December 10th um, and not a bit of snow yet. <laughs> so. Well, come, come on out west and uh, rent some skis or a snowboard and have a great time. <laughs> well, you invited me and everyone heard it. So <laughs> I'd like to just start off really quickly. Um, would you mind saying a bit about yourself and the Steamboat Institute and what your role is there? I would welcome that opportunity. Um, I am the chairman, CEO, and co-founder of the Steamboat Institute, which is an organization we founded in Colorado in 2008. Uh, this, what the Steamboat Institute does is different from what any other public policy organization or think tank does. We have been described as not being a think tank, but a battle tank for freedom and prosperity. We promote America's founding principles. Uh, we inspire people to, through education uh, on these issues to become defenders of liberty, and to appreciate where freedom and prosperity come from. We believe in the greatness of the individual. We believe that all individuals have greatness in them and that America is the best place to achieve your dreams. And we, we all want to keep it that way. So uh, Steamboat Institute hosts debates on college campuses on the hot topics of the day. We get the most high profile speakers we can find. We host programs that are entertaining and engaging that make you think. We encourage people to actually talk to one another and have civilized conversations rather than screaming at one another and staying in our uh, own polarized positions mm -hmm. with, our own, <laughs> with our own tribes. We don't see a whole lot of value in that. We, we think people should be talking to one another that we should know our nation's history, we should have an understanding of civics, and we should be respectful to each other. So that's what we do. We, uh, we mentor and develop young leaders in particular, uh, generally ages 18 to 29. We host leadership development opportunities for them. 
We offer scholarships for uh, young leaders to attend our annual Freedom Conference in Colorado each summer in August. Um, and we have a program to develop talented young journalists who are principled and report uh, facts uh, and try to be fair and balanced. So that hopefully gives you an idea of what the Steamboat Institute is all about. And people can find out more at steamboatinstitute.org. Well, I, I love that we started off in this way, especially because you talked about um, the debates you hold about the importance of having, being able to have civil disagreement, right? Um, the, the first time you and I spoke about this, I think we were on the same wavelength. That's becoming more and more difficult nowadays to have spaces where you can have these, again, um, respectable disagreements. And you actually, after that, that conversation, I actually went and wrote an article on just how difficult it is nowadays to create these spaces where leaders can disagree with one another without being canceled. Let's just call it what it is. Um, and I'd love to hear, how have you gone about creating these spaces where people can have these, these respectable disagreements and one, not be quote unquote canceled or, 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 or uh, what was it called? tar and feathered. Like, how do you create those intentional spaces? Well, Alex, through our Campus Liberty Tour debate series, what we do is go to a campus. First of all, we're always invited to come to the campus. We work closely with, with whatever contact we have on campus, whether it's a professor, it might be a free market center on the campus or some other campus group. But we were invited to the campus. We put together um, a debate with the best debaters we can find. Uh, for example, uh, a few years ago, we kicked off this Campus Liberty Tour debate series with a debate on nationalism versus globalism. Our two debaters were Nigel Farage, who was the architect of the successful Brexit movement to get the UK um, out of the EU, and uh, Vicente Fox, former president of Mexico. So right away, people coming in to watch this debate knew that they were going to see each side, nationalism and globalism, equally represented. The first thing we say when we start one of these debates is everyone is welcome here, regardless of your political ideology or anything else. Our only criteria is you have to agree to be respectful in, when you ask, have the opportunity to ask questions. Um, and we expect our debaters to, while it's certainly a robust debate and they will have disagreement, that they do so uh, in, a, in a respectful way. So no name calling, no shouting, uh, that kind of thing. So we, we set the stage immediately that everyone can say whatever they think here as long as it's done in a respectful, reasoned way. People respond very well to that. Students in particular respond very well to knowing that, hey, it's okay that I'm here in a room where I might disagree with the speakers and other people around me might have different opinions, but that's okay. And no one is going to tell me I'm stupid or wrong if I ask a question and it expresses uh, you know, a different viewpoint from someone else. So by doing that, we, we, we get auditoriums full of students on both the left and the right and everywhere in between. And they learn because they hear a perspective they've never heard before. And in doing that, it opens up their minds to critical thinking. Instead of being in a classroom where they feel intimidated because the professor will not be happy if they express a point of view different from the professor's known ideology, which happens all the time. It lets them see that it's okay to think for themselves. So every single time we've hosted a debate on college campuses, and we, we've hosted dozens of these um, over the last few years, we see students afterwards streaming up to the stage to surround the speakers, ask more questions, it's, it's just the greatest thing because they're just so hungry for this knowledge and this, this desire to learn more, to, to learn why other people think the way they do, which is what the whole college experience should be about. So that's how we create those spaces that encourage people to think. So, you know, so 
you, you've talked about the students that you have because you, you, your, your debates goes all across the country, um, but you also have these events in these spaces where there are quote unquote adults, right? And, 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 and more experienced practitioners. And, and, and you got me thinking and in this article I wrote on the Association for Talent Development, um, I talked about how I was in a room where it was focused on DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. These are practitioners supposed to be leading these initiatives within their respective organizations. And they were telling me in these small groups, I don't feel comfortable having difficult conversations. I don't feel comfortable having difficult conversations because I feel like I'm going to be taking enough context or someone's going to share it, it's going to hurt my career, whatever it may be. You seem to have been able to create a space where you can have these difficult conversations. What would you recommend for people who are, again, maybe not hosting debates, but but trying to develop leaders and have conversations? What would you recommend to them to, to be able to create these spaces for this respectable disagreement? Well, that's a question we get a lot. And so one of the things we are going to add to our debates going forward is the opportunity uh, uh, for campuses to host uh, a, a second kind of a, we call it a bonus event. We offer a seminar that is taught by um, a woman from Aspen who's a good friend named Melanie Sturm. She has a program called Engage to Win. And she teaches people how to have difficult conversations, exactly what you just said. And she, you know, she does this training for, um, for corporations, for think tanks, for really any group that is interested in learning how to have difficult conversations and to overcome these divides. It's all about bringing people together. At, you know, at the end of the day, Alex, the, the whole point of all of this is we can't maintain uh, a representative democracy if we can't talk to each other and debate issues. We, it's simply impossible. So that's really the, the long-term goal here is to, is to save our democratic republic by getting people to understand that it's normal to have disagreements. What's not normal is to not be able to talk about them. So we will be offering this Engage to Win uh, seminar to campuses who want to have that uh, so that either before or after our debate on campus, people who want to learn more about how to have these difficult conversations can go through this training. Essentially, what it is is there's always some common ground you can find with someone if you're willing to seek it. Uh, I'm sure you have friends who disagree with you, whether they're on the left or the right or whatever, as do I. And why is it that we can get along with them? Well, it, partly it's because we have some common ground to start with, something in common, whether it's uh, sports or, or you know church or some other group or something we belong to that we have in common. The second is to actually listen to the other person, find out where they're coming from. Uh, listen, why, why would I do that? Yeah, I know. What a concept, <laughs> huh? But, you know, actually listen to the other person, you know, ask them, well, why do you feel this way about whatever the topic is? And listen to where they're coming from. And if you listen to them and show that you care you know, my, my friend Melanie has a saying, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's very true. So, you know, try some listening, try some empathy, and then say, well, you know, I, I can understand why you feel that way. Let me, let me talk to you about a, how I feel about this and kind of a different perspective. So start trying, instead of you're wrong or that's stupid, try listening, empathy, establish common ground. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to resolve all of your differences and we're all going to join hands and agree on everything, but at least we can start talking. Is there, is there a line, like, is there a degree in which at one point you just, you, you know, I can't talk to you. Like, again, I, I might share with you before, um, there is someone who I really, I considered a friend and during last year's um, racial turmoil, him and I could not see eye to eye. I, I was explaining to him what my life as a black man was. And he and he repeated, he's like, I just don't believe it. I can't believe this is this is happening to you. And 
And at one point, I just honestly, I couldn't talk to him anymore. I just felt drained every time. So is there a line where that disagreement is like, you know what, I just, we, we got to stop or, or should we push through those things? Well, it, it totally depends on, uh, in that case, the, you know, the, the friend, the, the person, you know, how valuable is this relationship? Is it a coworker you have to get along with? Um, is it your boss? You know, it, it, there are a lot of factors to consider in that, but there are certainly times where you have to say, you know, this person is not open to listening to my perspective or is openly hostile. I've certainly witnessed that. We all have. And there, there are times when you have to just say you know, or acknowledge this person is openly hostile or simply is not going to listen. So at that point, you have to agree to just if there's some relationship you want to maintain because it's professional or something else, you just don't talk about other issues. In some cases, it's better if if the person is just no longer a part of your life. I mean, that certainly happens. There are people who simply drain you, as you said. So certainly there are times when that happens. But I, the majority of the time, I think things can be talked through. So uh, following on that path, again, it seems like you all have been very, very intentional with how you've structured your programming as well as your programs, because you have a number of programs, uh, leadership development programs, and and those those individuals who've been through your programs um, have done very well. Um, they've been very successful in their careers. You know, you know, we. I'm not sure if you want to call anyone out, but you may see them on TV. Those people listening, you probably see some of their people on TV. Oh, what do you believe? you have all done, you've done to, to make your programs help your participants to the, to the point where they're actually being successful. There's a lot of leadership programs out there um, and they don't necessarily end up in the same places as your students. Well, what do you think is your secret sauce? Well, um, Alex, the Steamboat Institute has been successful uh, over the last 13 years since we were founded in 2008 because of a, a few key things. One is we have stayed very true to our mission over the years. Our mission is very carefully and clearly defined as promoting America's first principles and inspiring people to uh, defend liberty. So that's the essence of the Steamboat Institute, uh, promoting America's first principles and inspiring people to defend liberty. It's a very simple but powerful mission. And the way we do that is through very high quality programs that develop quality young journalists, that educate and develop quality young leaders, you know, from college campuses, uh, some recent graduates who are young professionals. We, uh, our annual Freedom Conference is very focused on high quality, um, entertaining event that people want to attend. Um, and then the Campus Liberty Tour debates, we get the absolute best debaters we can on whatever the topic is. And we create a welcoming, entertaining environment that people want to be a part of. So that's why we, we see so much demand from colleges and universities who want us to come to their campuses. So it's, you know, it's staying very focused on what our mission is. We don't branch out and try to be things that we're not um, and we, we stay focused on the very high quality of the programs being welcoming to everyone. Um, and we have a very committed board of directors that has been uh, very key in the success of the Steamboat Institute. You know, you've said a word that I, the first time you said it, I was like, ah, okay. And then you said it again, and you said it again. Now you've said like, like a fourth time already. Um, that word is entertaining. Uh, what, <laughs> what role does entertainment play in professional development? I keep hearing you talk about it. Well, the reason, one of the reasons people come back to our events over and over is that we incorporate music, videos, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, in, we'll include, um, in our, some of our programs, speakers who are film producers or, or actors, uh, 
you know, we, we try to lighten things up a little. We talk about a lot of serious issues, uh, you know, related to foreign policy and tax policy and all of these things that, that could sometimes just make your head explode because there's, there's so <laughs> much serious content. But to give you an example, at our uh, last Freedom Conference in Beaver Creek, Colorado, in this past August, we, you know, we had a lot of serious topic discussions. We had sec- former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. We had the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis. We had a very serious discussion of critical race theory um, and social justice with uh, Dr. Carol Swain and Bob Woodson. So a lot of really serious topics. But for, when we closed out the program on Friday afternoon, we had a guy from the Babylon Bee, which is online satire that pokes fun at everything. And it was hilarious. People were just <laughs> doubled over laughing for 45 minutes at his presentation. But, you know, it's if you don't keep people engaged with some entertainment and some humor, um, it, you know, it's we're, we're human beings, right? We're not just robots who can spit out uh, sound bites on tax policy and, and foreign policy and all these things. We're human beings. And we should be enjoying our lives. Uh, that's part of the great thing about living in America is we're free to to pursue our dreams and, and enjoy our lives. And and I believe that if, if you don't laugh, you're 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 missing out. <laughs> well, ev- everyone knows everyone knows that I love laughing. I, mm, do you have a favorite joke? <laughs> oh. I had to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I, I I can't think of one right off the top of my head. But okay. I, what, what I will tell you is that every day when when I open up my web browser, one of my homepages, I have about five or six that open up every day, like you know the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know weather.com, so I can see how much it's going to snow today. Um, but the Babylon Bee is the other one because I can check out the Babylon Bee first thing every morning for just two minutes. And I know I'm going to laugh to start my day. So it's, you know, it's just a way to, it's poke fun, good natured. It's never mean spirited, which is one of the things I like about it. Mean spirited humor is is not really humor. It's it's just mean. So I I start my day every day with the Babylon Bee to, to get a little laugh. So there you go. I love that leadership advice. Everyone look, start off your day with some laughter. Um, I think, I think that you're right that the world is, there's way so much serious stuff going on, um, across the world all the time. We, we should definitely make room intentionally in our life for some laughter, some levity. I couldn't agree more. So you will, you will always find that as part of, uh, Steamboat Institute's programs. One, I'll give you another, one other brief example at one of our campus Liberty tour debates a couple of years ago, we had, Yaron Brook from the Ayn Rand Institute and Bosker Sankara, who publishes the online magazine Jacobin, which is a uh, socialist publication. He's very well known among democratic socialists. And it was a debate on socialism and capitalism. And we started the debate with a, a music video that was produced by Guy in Austin that showed uh, Mises versus Marx, you know, Ludwig von Mises versus Karl Marx. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just so creative. It was hilarious. It was these two guys who were pretending to be Mises and Marx. And it was like this, you know, rap music and they go into a movie theater and it, it was just hilarious. But that's how we kicked off what, you know, can be a very serious conversation. But we thought, you know, we don't want we, we want people to be engaged. And so if you start off by getting them to laugh, then everybody yeah. relaxes, right? Yeah. They, they relax and then they're ready to sit back and say, okay, that was pretty funny. So now let's hear what these guys have to say. And so it just sets the stage for, we're going to talk about serious topics, but we're going to have fun and you can relax and be yourself and hopefully learn something. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and I love to, I'm going to shift the conversation to you a little bit in a, in a second, but I do want to ask you, um, what do you believe the difference is between mentorship and sponsorship? Um, and, and there's a reason for why I'm asking that question. I'll, I'll tell you in a bit, but do you see a difference between those two? Um, well, in my mind, mentorship is a very personal one-on-one relationship between 
um, someone who has experience and knowledge that the person being mentored uh, apparently is hoping to gain. That's what I would see. Um, I mean, I mentor one of the members of our Emerging Leaders Council. We have a mentorship program for the members of our Emerging Leaders Council. And I mentor one of the young women in that program. And we we talk um, every two weeks for 30 minutes. And we talk about whatever we feel like talking about, you know, whatever what's going on with her business and professional life, personal life, ideas she has that she wants to pursue, questions she has about how to do things. Um, you know, how she's supervising people and she asks me for advice on, you know, how do I uh, deal with this particular work situation or that kind of thing. Um, sponsorship, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, if you're meaning like a financial sponsorship or some other kind of sponsorship. Sponsorship, the, the traditional, the way I've heard about it is sponsorship is actually going and it's a it's a step past advice, right? Like introducing someone to someone. You know, hey, there's an opportunity over here. Why don't you take this opportunity? Or like, is 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 that step past providing verbal advice and like actually helping someone get into a new role or meet someone new? I would call um, our mutual friend. Uh, I'm not sure if I can say it. I won't say it. But our mutual friend. I would call her a sponsor because she she provides great mentorship, but she, she introduced me to you. Like she, she is, she's moved past just providing advice. That's where I'm coming from from the sponsorship component. Okay. Um, You know, I've seen some people refer to having their personal board of directors. Uh, That has, that has kind of become a thing recently, which I think can be very good and and very helpful uh, where you might have four or five people that you routinely go go to for advice, you know, for connections, for networking, to say, hey, you know, I'm trying to do this or that in my career. Can you introduce me to this or that person or organization? And and they can do that. So, um, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, Mentorship is maybe more um, advice, uh, counsel, you know, one-on-one personal connection, and then to take it to the next step, sponsorship, is then taking it to another level with uh, professional introductions. And so I guess there could be a difference between that. I would see sponsorship as being maybe more like that personal board of directors that uh, an individual might have so that they have a a kind of a a team that they feel they can count on, that they can call on um, for those things. So what I want to ask you about that is, I was sitting around the table of this great group of, of men um, a few months ago. And one thing that kept coming up is that everyone at the table, they're, they're doing very well in their careers, respective careers. And they were able to secure very, very um, well-to-do mentors um, who provide really great advice. Um, but each one to a T would have called out that they didn't have a sponsor. Like there was advice being given, but they didn't have anyone who's willing to say, hey, look, let me connect you to this person. This person, look, y'all should do some business together. I was wondering if you ever had anyone in your life to who actually went past the, the, the maybe mentoring component and how would you, what advice would you have someone who wants to get someone, you know, past that mentoring component? How do you find a sponsor? Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Fed's Protection Professional Liability Insurance? 
Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a Fed's policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Um, my first thought is what we do with the Steamboat Institute with our emerging leaders, where we match them up with mentors if they wish. It's, it's not a mandatory program, but most of them do accept that opportunity because they see value in it. And then they, through that relationship and through being involved with Steamboat Institute, they have the opportunity to meet and interact with our board members with our former board members, with the speakers who speak at our events, who are some pretty high profile, well-connected individuals. And so I guess in that way, uh, if you're asking how would someone uh, develop relationships such as with a mentor or a sponsor, I would say get involved with an organization that you are interested in, whose whose mission you believe in and share. And once you get involved in an organization like that, that's where you meet the people with whom you have some common interest, who then as you get to know them, you know, you can't just go to someone and say, I want you to be my sponsor. It's, it's a, it's a process Mm -hmm. that starts with a personal relationship and getting to know someone. And then over time, you can develop those very valuable mentor and sponsor relationships. So that would that would be my advice. Thank you so much. Now I want to really quickly now t- turn the the light, the camera directly to you. Um, you are a leader. You're your co-founder. You're CEO. You've led many other initiatives. Um, I would like to ask you what makes you an effective leader. Now I'll, I'll preface that with saying we all know, and I teach in all my programs, like we're, every leader is different, right? Um, we all have different skills we bring to the table. Um, but I'd love to learn, what do you believe is, is unique about you that makes you really good at what you do? Well, first of all, thank you for complimenting me in that way, Alex. It's, it's always nice to hear someone else say, hey, you're really good at what you do. Um, I, I'm not much for patting myself on the back, but I, I will tell you what I think has helped me to be successful in leading the Steamboat Institute since we co-founded it. It was, to be clear, I I don't get all the credit for co-founding the Steamboat Institute. It was my husband, a small group of other very committed people who saw a need to educate people about America's founding principles so people would have a better understanding of the Constitution and why it's important and why individual liberty is must be balanced with you know with the role of government. What is the proper role of government? Uh, those types of things. So, mm-hmm. in founding it, we we had a very strong initial group and still have a very strong board of directors. Thirteen years later. So, having said that, I believe what has helped me to be successful as the CEO is. One, I am 100% committed to our mission and our core principles. And I should, I should state for your audience what our core principles are for the Steamboat Institute. It's um, individual, uh, it's, it's free, free market capitalism, uh, limited taxation and fiscal responsibility, individual rights and responsibilities, strong national defense, um, those, those things. Those are the, the pillars of the Steamboat Institute. So it's all about the individual, the proper role of government, those things. Um, Having said that, what has made me successful, I believe as as the CEO and made the organization successful is commitment to that mission, 100%. I had a very nice life before we started the Steamboat Institute. (laughs) I did not need to take on anything else. I had a successful 
small business consulting practice, uh, working with a number of small business organizations, basically as a part-time CFO for about 25 different organizations and businesses. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, but I saw a, a need to, uh, to educate people and to help them have a better understanding of these principles. So if someone wanted to run for office, they would be a much better candidate if they could articulate these principles and explain to other people and persuade other people why this policy is better than that policy. So it's commitment to the mission, 100%. Um, it is that I am uh, known for being relentless. Stubborn might be another word. Um, I'm, I'm an extremely relentless person. When I set my sights on something, I am going to, if it's something I really believe in and I don't set goals unless I really, really, truly believe in it, um, I'm going to get there one way or another. Um, if you've looked at my bio on our website, um, I've done some really crazy things like run 100 mile trail races and mountains. Yeah. Yeah, why? Now my latest challenge is to uh, complete an Ironman triathlon, a, a full distance triathlon. So, um, so I like to challenge myself in that way. So really being, being relentless and willing to overcome obstacles uh, has definitely been, been key to success. And then I guess third thing would be I surround myself with, people who share uh, my passion for the mission and people who are successful in their own lives in business and personally, and, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people is super important. Certainly makes life easier and more fun. You, you know, um, there, there's two questions I want to make sure I, I, I throw your way. Um, one, it really quickly, it's just, I want to vent to you if I can for just a, a second. Um, I was talking to a, a wonderful individual the other day, and I was telling about my aspirations and they kind of stopped me and was like, Hey, Alex, you may not want to talk about your aspirations like that. Cause then people will think you're only focused on the next opportunity. And this isn't, the, this is something that my wife has told me too, Alex, you may not want to talk about that much because everyone is thinking you're looking for the next opportunity. And and I'm frustrated. I became frustrated because all those other things, like being a hard worker, being ethical, being focused on the mission, um, like all those things are so obvious and like fundamental to me. Like I should, I personally, like I don't need to say that because I wouldn't do anything without those fundamental pieces, right? Um, like I, and I shouldn't have to say, well, I want to be have integrity. Like that should be an a given, but I feel like my wife was saying, well, maybe we've moved to a place where those things aren't a given. So you have to call those things out. Like even when you were talking right now, you said you're focused on the mission. Like, yes, any person, any person doing a job should be focused relentlessly on the mission, but you called it out. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if you had a reaction to it. I was just really annoyed that we have to even call out those things that should be foundational to what we do. Oh, I agree. But I've seen people, I guess the reason I say that's important to be committed to and passionate about the mission, I've seen people uh, over the years say, hey, I want to start an organization like yours because, you know, I'm really tired of working for XYZ and I want to start my own thing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is not the reason. We do this. <laughs> I hear you. No, 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 no. Uh, it's, you have to say whatever it is, this is something I believe in with my whole heart. It's not because I'm not doing this because I, I need a job. I had a full-time job when we started this. Yeah. Um, so it's, you have to, if you're going into some new venture, whatever it is, you know, starting your own, uh, you know, I don't, your own bakery or whatever it is, you should be just absolutely passionate about it and believe that what you are going to produce at your bakery or whatever it is, is the absolute best, most delicious, incredible thing and that nobody else is doing it quite like you do and you love doing it and you love making people happy and it's got to be for the right reasons. That's, that's absolutely number one. You know, it's funny when you say that too, uh, it makes me, it makes me think of rappers, um, how you will hear, let's just say people from Atlanta, 
every one of them be like, I'm the best rapper out here. And it's because they want to be the best. They think they do it differently and they're going to put their, their all yeah. into it. And the other quote unquote rappers will, oh, quote, the other rappers will be like, I'm the best rapper. And it's like, it's not necessarily a beef, but it's a, you know, I really believe in what I'm doing. I think I do it differently. I'm going to give everything I have to do it. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you have to believe in yourself, first of all. I, I didn't say that, but I get that's, I guess, an unspoken thing that comes with being relentless is you believe that you can do it, that there's, I never doubt that we're going to do something. It's just, how are we going to do it? In 2020, I'll give you an example. Our annual Freedom Conference is our biggest event of the year. It's our signature event, two-day event that takes place in Beaver Creek um, near Vail, great event. People look forward to it all year. Uh, people come from all over the country. It's just a fantastic, really fun weekend in the mountains. And we were faced with COVID uh, restrictions that, well, we were holding it in Steamboat Springs, Colorado for many, many years. And COVID restrictions made it impossible for us to hold the event in Steamboat Springs for the first time ever. Our choice was cancel or move it to Beaver Creek, which is about an hour and a half down the road from Steamboat. And in late June, about eight weeks before the event, we had to make the decision to move this big event. We also then had to deal with a number of challenges related to health department regulations in the county we were moving to and had to jump through all kinds of hoops, get incredibly creative to pull off this event when everybody else in the country was canceling, everybody. We successfully pulled off an event with 200 people in August of 2020. No one got sick because we, we took the health and safety protocols seriously. Everyone had a great time and we built so much loyalty for being creative, for forging ahead, for not caving in and canceling like everyone else in the country was doing. And it was, it was just uh, our whole team working together, myself, our event coordinator, our board of directors, no one wavered for a second. We all knew somehow we were going to do this and nothing was going to stop us. And we were just going to be creative and keep thinking and creating and doing until we got there and we did. And it's one of the best things we've ever done. You remind me, I'm, I'm always telling people, seriously, um, just because something is hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, oh, that's, sometimes that's all the more reason. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you're, you get all of these businesses across the, organ the U.S., I would say the world, too, um, have been faced with a choice. You know, you could, they couldn't do business the way they were, they were doing business before. So do you, do you, do you hang up your, your coat or do you, like you said, find a way how to do it? It's just how, how, how am I going to make this happen? I, I, I really, really love that. One, one the other question I, I told you, there's two questions. I'm now finally getting to the second one. The other question I love to throw by you is what, this is a loaded question, but what have you done wrong and what did you learn from it? So the reason why I asked that, it was actually one of our, the, one of the listeners from uh, another episode, he's been listening to all these podcasts and hearing great leaders like you. And then he was just like, but it feels like everything just goes perfectly for them. Oh. And, <laughs> and so it, does anything ever go wrong? So I actually got a message saying, you know, can you ask your next guest this question? So I'd like to ask you, yeah, you know, has any, have you ever done anything you're like, oh, that was wrong. And what did you oh. learn? How do you deal with that? Oh, of course. I mean, there, there are things that have, have not gone well over the years. Everything hasn't gone perfectly. Uh, to give you an example, uh, a few years ago, we decided that, you know, once again, with the entertainment aspect of our events being important to us, we decided to start hosting a film festival in conjunction with our annual Freedom Conference. And we thought, you know, this will be a way to expand our audience, bring in people who would never uh, attend a two-day conference with speakers on foreign policy and, and tax policy and healthcare policy and all these things. But they might go to a, a good movie that has a good message. So we thought this will be great. And so we tried it for a few years. 
but all it did was jam the agenda. It was the, the agenda for the weekend was too full. There were too many things for people to attend because they were trying to go to all the films and, and do everything. And it was exhausting to people. And at the end of the day, it didn't bring in the new audience we wanted. It was the, the same people who were attending the, the main freedom conference anyway, trying to get around and see all the films. And so it was, it was just, um, it was a waste of resources. It was a nice idea. We thought maybe at some future time a film festival as a standalone event might work, but that's something we've tabled um, and aren't aren't looking to revisit anytime soon. So, you know, it was something we tried for about three years and it just didn't work the way we thought. Um, you know, uh, another thing we've learned recently is with our Campus Liberty Tour debates, pre-COVID, we were getting three, four, 500 people to attend in person. Well, during COVID, people became accustomed to sitting at home, you know, yeah. in their comfy clothes, pajamas. You know, <laughs> their pajamas or whatever it might be, and just watching everything online and not going to anything. So when when we started being able to get back on campus with our events, um, we thought, well, you know, we knew at first the audiences were limited, right? They wouldn't allow more than, you know, you couldn't have more than 30 people attend or something. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, we'll start go forward with the event and we'll live stream. Well, now we're learning that live streaming is actually hurting our in-person attendance because people know that, well, I can either watch the live stream or I can just watch it online later. So why get dressed and, you know, Go to, go to the event when I can just sit here and watch it. So we're, we're having to uh, relearn kind of how to engage in-person audiences again on campuses. We don't have that with our Freedom Conference. It's still, um, you know, back to being a huge event again this year, our biggest crowd ever actually this year. But um, so we're having to relearn how to, how to get people back into that more normal mode of attending in person it is so important to have that personal interaction of people gathered together. Uh, we recently did a couple of debates at University of Maryland and University of Texas in Austin with Charles Payne and Bakari Sellers um, on what creates freedom and prosperity. Is it government safety net programs or is it more private enterprise and you know, private business? And uh, our in-person audiences were small at both places, but we had nearly 40,000 online views. But both Charles and Bakari will tell you, it's a lot more fun when that auditorium is packed with three or 400 people mm -hmm. and you get that interaction with the crowd and there's just an energy that you have. So I encourage all of your listeners, when you have the opportunity between virtual or in-person, go attend. It's so much more fun. Yeah, you will get yeah. so much more out of it. You will feel inspired. You get to meet this in our, in our case with our events, you always, almost always get to meet the speakers, shake their hand, talk to them in person, face to face. I, I, I'm going to really quickly double down on that. Everyone. Yeah. As soon as you, when you feel safe, go out to in person. I can tell you like right now I did three I did three speeches um, in the last couple of weeks, um, two international speeches and one uh, just here for here in the U.S., all virtually great speeches. Um, I was able to engage with the crowd, you know, via the chat and you know, turn the cameras on every once in a while, you know, talk to people. Um, and it was great. You know, I got like, everyone loved it. But it's not the same as being in person. Um, Absolutely. So I, I can't I can't wait to get back in person. I got, I got a couple, um, already locked down for early, uh, to 2022, I think out in, uh, California and one out in Puerto Rico. So I'm looking forward to those two. Um, but yes, getting back in person, doing this stuff. <laughs> it, the personal interaction and the ability to gather together with other people is extremely valuable. That also, Alex, I believe is one of the keys to getting past these divides among us. It's very easy to sit yeah. at your computer or on your phone and type snarky tweets and, you know, uh, engage with people that way, which is not really engaging. It's another when you're looking them in the eye face to face and talking yeah. about what what uh, what you think and, and what what you're disagreeing upon. So I think that is a huge key 
sometimes you've got to put the phone down and actually talk to someone in person face to face. Um, and that's what we're encouraging people to do. Come out to a debate on a campus or come out to whatever event it is. Meet people in person, look them in the eye, talk to them, get to know them and let them know that you care about them. Well, again, Jennifer, I know we're running up against our time. I thank you so much for the time you've spent with us. I, I do want to open the floor back up to you. Is there anything you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up? Um, I, I would like to, to let your audience know that those who might be interested, Steamboat Institute is planning some great college debates um, in, in spring of 2022 and in fall. Um, March 1st, we're going to host a debate on... Uh, climate change, you know, global climate energy issues at the University of Miami. Um, and on March 2nd, we'll be at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And uh, those will both be great events. We have invitations pending, not confirmed yet, but pending with Alex Epstein and Bill Nye, the science guy, to participate in those. So we're very much no. hoping <laughs> we, we can pull those together. You know, once again, those will be very thought provoking, but they'll also be entertaining debates. And I think people will learn something regardless of what their opinion is on, on uh, climate science and energy issues. So um, just encourage people to go to steamboatinstitute.org. Um, the last thought I would leave with your listeners is don't be afraid to pursue your dreams. Be relentless, be focused and passionate about what you uh, want to pursue, and also be kind to other people along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, actually, kindness is another one I thought, like, why do we even have to say it? Like, we should all just be kind. It should be a baseline. Huh. <sighs> Thank you so much, Miss Jennifer, for coming and joining us today. I, I really, really loved our time together today. I look forward for you and I um, staying in contact as well as for those listeners here to go and join the Seamboat Institute and listen to some of those um, those debates that, that was just talked about. Like, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, and not only because I grew up with Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, as always, don't just look back reach back. If you found anything of value today and what was shared, don't keep it to yourself. Don't say the other person over there, they should have been here. Don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. You take this information, you share it with them, and then you bring them to the table and say, look, you need to listen to this. Jennifer was dropping some bombshells. You need to listen to this. Okay. Thank you so much, Jennifer. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.